Welcome to the podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse Tabernacle. You can find out more about our church at lighthouseofmaslin.com or join us for worship Sundays at 11. We pray this message will be a blessing to you. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. Notice that. I didn't say we survive tribulation, but we glory in tribulation. Knowing tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed. Why? Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when you were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Reading again. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. That's how they overcame Satan. By the blood of the lamb, the blood of Jesus, and by the word of their testimony. One more scripture, 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 37. Moreover, David said, The Lord, who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me. He said that will. He will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. He will deliver me. This is one of the most remarkable scriptures that God who delivered me out of the paw of the bear and out of the paw of the lion will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. I, I, I think I do want to read one more. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. I don't know if I gave it to the team or not. Now thanks be to God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ, which always causes us to triumph. Didn't say sometimes. Didn't say every once in a while. But Jesus always gives us triumph. I want to talk to you this morning for a few minutes on the subject battle to battle or victory to victory. Subtitle, the choice is yours. Lift your hands and your voices with me. Jesus, we love you. Lord, your word is anointed and your word is powerful. Lord, I pray that you would anoint my lips to speak. Lord, open up our hearts, open up our minds, Lord Jesus. We give you glory and honor and praise 
In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, you may be seated. Battle to battle or victory to victory. Today, if you didn't know, is Super Bowl Sunday. It's the only day of the year that people get excited about commercials. Most of us have dumped cable many years ago and went to streaming just to avoid commercials. But today, people look forward to watching commercials. It is a strange conundrum. This evening, the San Francisco 49ers will play the Kansas City Taylor Swifts, I mean the Chiefs. I have a question for you. Why don't the players dread going to the playoffs or going to the Super Bowl? It's just another challenge. Another chance to get hurt. Another opportunity to be injured or possibly end your career. One bad hit, one misstep. The career is over, the millions of dollars are over, the Fans cheering in the stands, it's all gone. So why are they happy to have to work more? In fact, even work harder, train harder, practice harder, be more devoted and more focused than they ever were before, all to risk injury. Do you, do you realize, and I'm not a big football guy, but do you realize there are three preseason games there are 17 regular season, and then if you survive all of that with all of your limbs and bones intact and your career still moving forward, then there's a wild card game, then a divisional, then a conference, and then after all of that, 23 chances to end your career, not to mention all of the practice rounds. And now you're asked one more time to go out onto the gridiron where you will have three and four hundred pound guys the size of a small rhinoceros trying to tear your head from its shoulders. Why would you want to go out there again when you can make millions of dollars and never step foot in a single playoff game? Why take the risk? I have a question. Why don't they view it as another battle or another challenge? But instead, when they're given the opportunity, they pop bottles of champagne. The towns have parades all leading up to yet another game. Why don't they view it as another battle? Because the teams playing tonight do not view it as another chance to lose but at another chance for victory. It is a mindset. It's all about perspective. And we in the church can look at our trials and our troubles that are around us and we can get the mindset of victimhood and say, oh no, another battle lies ahead of me. But meanwhile, in the carnal world, when they're faced at another battle, they think, no, I've got another chance to win. Battle to battle is the wrong mindset. 
when we need to be looking for another opportunity for victory. David is probably the most unique character in all the scripture. I don't know if there's anybody else that can compare to him. From the time he steps foot on the scene, his life is spoken of over and over and over again. Every king who would ever live would be compared to him. It's amazing. When you think about the fact that Jesus Christ, God himself, was one of David's descendants by way of Mary's bloodline. He was to come and sit upon the throne of David, referencing God's promise that David's throne would have no end. Think about that. God himself said, David, as there will never ever be an end to your throne. In fact, today, every time you see the Israeli flag, you realize that an entire people identify themselves by David's mark. That's what the star is. It's the mark of David. He was one of the greatest kings and generals to ever live. A remarkable person. And when they talked to Jesus, they said, Jesus, thou son of David. What a remarkable person. But it wasn't always that way. There was a time when David was just a kid out in the field watching sheep. In fact, he was so unimpressive in comparison to his brothers that his own father forgot about him. He lived a life of forgotten monotony. But one day, something happened that changed everything. Everything changed. And it was not the day that Samuel showed up with anointing oil. No, it was not someone giving him a reward for doing a good job of watching the sheep. What changed the course of David's life was a day a lion came skulking along the ground. Stalking after the flock of sheep. You can see it there, pressed low to the earth as it silently moved. The slightest twitches of a tail, its dawny fur blending in so perfectly to the brown grass of the field. Muscles tight, eyes locked beyond human capability until suddenly it springs and runs towards a little lamb. David's eyes catch a glimpse of movement and he turns to see the sight of the lion propelling itself towards the lamb. Those lean, powerful muscles moving that lion at 50 miles an hour, teeth and claws ready to tear that little lamb into pieces. When something happens, Boldness comes over David. And he runs between the lion and the lamb. And instead of being frightened and running away, that lion just simply turns his focus on some more tender meat. 
sets his sights on David. But David runs at it. Now you got to understand, we'll read later on in the scripture, he said he grabbed it by the beard, which means it wasn't a female lion. It was the male. And I don't know if you've watched as much National Geographic as I have over the years, but the male lions tend to be a little lazy. And they only really get into action when it's necessary, when the big guns are required. Because when the male lion shows up, everything in the animal kingdom quivers. He is the king of the jungle and the king of the savannah. This, it would be impressive enough if it was a lioness, but it's not a lioness. It is a full-grown male lion, and there David stands between it and its prey, and they run towards one another. And David grabs it by the mane and kills it with nothing but his bare hands, snapping its jaws. Have you ever met anybody that killed a lion? Anybody? I, I have. I, our driver in Kenya, his name was Charles. He was a Maasai. And Charles, sorry, James. Charles was the other guy. James. James killed two lions. One when he was young and all the, the group of young Maasai men would go out and they would surround a lion and with nothing but spears. And his was the first spear to enter into the lion. He threw it so hard that it went in through the shoulders and it came out the tail. And he talked about it with pride, how all the other young men carried him in back into the village and he said the ladies really liked him. Here comes James. Don't know what his real name was because Maasai names are almost impronounceable to English speakers, so he went by James. And then another night, he killed a second lion. This one was a female, and he's in his little hut, and they have bomas. It's a fence made out of thorn bushes. And he heard something amongst the cattle, and there in the middle of the Maasai Mara, out in the savannah of Kenya in the night with no flashlight and no torch, he walked out into the dark to face a lion with nothing but a spear. And he killed the lion and saved his cattle. Let me tell you what. If I was James, I'd wear that lion hide like a hoodie. Everywhere I'd go, I'd say, hi, I'm Nick. I killed two lions with nothing but a spear. And people go, ooh. And it wouldn't matter if 60 years passed and you were an old man with a walker with the little tennis balls on the end. And everybody say, that was the guy that killed two lions with a spear. But here is David, somewhere between 12 and 14 years old, and he kills a lion with nothing but his hands. From there on, his reputation was set. It should have been good for the rest of his life. But somehow, nobody notices the lion hide on the floor. 
And an amazing thing happens to this forgotten young man. This one that nobody seemed to notice is given a very powerful weapon. In fact, a weapon that would change the course of his life and the course of his people. And it wasn't a slingshot. That day out in the field, David was given a testimony. Look what my God has done for me. And if he can do this for me, there's nothing I'll ever face again that I ever have to worry about. My God delivered me. My God delivered me. That testimony would propel him the rest of his life. God had protected him and given him strength against a roaring lion. What a moment, what a testimony, what a victory. We can see the beginning of how it's changed David. When just a short time later, there he is again watching the sheep. I'll pause here for a little interlude. You know, when you're just living a faithful life, serving God, walking with him in holiness and just trying to do your best to serve your God and you think nobody else notices. No one else notices the battles that you've won. No one else notices this going on. You need to read about what made God notice David. What made, God, what made God notice David and choose him to be king? Wasn't his skill with the slingshot and it wasn't even the lion hide on the wall. What made God choose David? He said, I saw how you took care of the ewes. Those female sheep who were ready to give birth. I saw how you cared for those sheep. God notices if nobody else notices. And here he is, it seems like nobody else cares and nobody else notices what he's done and what he's going through. He just gets in and day in and day out, he goes and he watches the sheep. But it's just a few days later that all of a sudden, just trying to do the right thing, when unlike the fight with the lion, Silently moving in motion just catches his eyes. David's ears hear something. The sound of limbs snapping in the woods and the heavy sound of giant paws hitting the ground. And all of a sudden a bear comes running out of the tree line, charging towards the sheep. Say, how fast could a bear be? 30, 40 miles an hour pretty fast give Usain Bolt a run for his money now David's faced with an option here he can say to himself oh another battle to fight why me I just got done with the lion isn't that enough God why do I have to fight another battle right now He could have said, I don't know if I'll survive this one. Just let it take the sheep. I've already done my share. I've already fought a lion off. 
I'm only human. How many battles can I take after all? David didn't view it as another battle to have to fight. He didn't see another chance of destruction or pain. When that bear came running out of the woods towards those sheep, his testimony kicked in. The God that delivered me out of the paw of the lion will deliver me out of the paw of this bear. He didn't see another battle, but another victory in the making. David runs towards that bear and grabs it by the fur around its neck, pries its jaws open, pulls that little lamb out, and again, without anything but his hands, he kills the bear. Davy Crockett would have been proud. This is so important. David knew that the God who took care of him when the lion attacked was the same God that would take care of him when the bear came. You see, he didn't view it as battle to battle, but he had an understanding. I'm living victory to victory. The God that took care of me here is the God that's going to take care of me there. The power of his testimony was the confidence knowing what God was able to do. It created a perspective of victory instead of a view of struggle. It created faith in the one who always delivers. Praise be to our God that always causes us to triumph. Time goes by. So many fights in such a young boy's life. He's somewhere in the neighborhood of 14 to 16 now. His older brothers, they've been drafted into a war with the Philistines. Jesse, their father, is getting worried about his oldest sons. And he sends David out there with bread and cheese for his brothers and the commanding officer. You know the moral of this little bit, that tidbit of what he took, is cheese is the way to a man's heart. Hey, general, here's have some cheddar. Give my boys a good job. He says, here's some bread, here's some cheese, some provisions for your brothers. Give some to their commanding officer. And I want you to come back and tell me how they're doing. So David goes out to the battlefield with the awe of a young boy. And he looks at all the soldiers, the chariots, the tents, and the weapons. Bright battle flags blowing in the wind above each company of soldiers. The sounds of orders being shouted, men in uniform marching here and there, the gleam of sword and spears, the distant sight of the enemy camped on the other side of the valley. It was so exciting. Ladies, girls, you just won't get it. But you, it was like dropping that boy in Disney World. I mean, it was the way to a young man's heart. 
all those soldiers, the weapons, the horses, everything that would shock and awe a young man. And he's walking slack-jawed through all these soldiers. And he finally finds his older brothers. And they're talking with one another. And he's giving them the gifts from their father. Making sure that he's got all the news to report. Letters to carry back home to dad. But as they talk, silence fell across the valley of Elah. And it's broken by the booming, deep voice of a giant. I'm not talking about an NBA player. I'm talking about a giant. Somewhere between 10 and 12 feet tall. Muscles on his muscles. Scars on his scars. His staff. Looked like a wooden beam. Just the staff of his spear point. His sword was comically oversized. His shield like a child's sled. A monster of a man. And Goliath stands on the other side of Elah. And begins to blaspheme the God of Israel. Your God is weak. Your God can't win here. Your God will never defeat us. Our gods have the real power. Our gods are going to defeat you. And he challenged them. Why have a whole war? You send out your best man to fight me. And if he wins, we'll all be your slaves. But if I win, you're going to be ours. And no one on the side of Israel moves. No one makes a peep as all those Philistines are going, Goliath, 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 beating their shields and their swords together. As their champion issues his challenge. King Saul, who's head and shoulders above everyone in Israel, cowers in his tent. While the God of Israel is blasphemed. And David starts looking around. Who, who, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That he would defy the armies of the living God. In other words, he said, who does this Philistine think he is talking about our God like that? The only God. And Eliab took on the mode of an older brother and said, shh, be quiet. You know why? Because Eliab didn't want to be volunteered to go fight. He said, I know why you're here. Daddy didn't even really send you with that cheese. You just wanted to see the fight, David. Go home. Shut up. And all the other brothers are going, shut up. Be quiet. You're going to get us in trouble. I don't know if Mike remembers, but one time we, we had these bean trees. You're, you're sleepy today, so I'll tell a story and make you laugh and get your attention back. We had these bean trees growing. We have some out here. They're actually called catapula trees. And, and our childhood was me and my brother and Mike and his brother, me and Mike and Brandon, throwing stuff at each other. This was our childhood. Sometimes it was the crab apples. 
Sometimes it was these little hard orange berries that grew on a tree at Bishop and Sister Strange's house. Sometimes it was the beans from the catapula tree. This day, it happened to be the catapula tree beans. And if you don't know what they are, they're about a foot and a half long, and you can whiz them like a boomerang. And we're throwing them at one another just as hard as we could. And there's our little cousin Sam, who's like four at the time. His first time to be allowed to stay over at Bishop's house. And Sam's got his little shorts on, and one of us whizzes it. And I don't know who it was. I'm claiming ignorance. And it just you know, whoosh, like a whip, and it hit him across his little calves and he began and our lives flashed behind before our eyes and we dove on that little kid and everybody took a limb and someone grabbed over his mouth and we promised that boy the world if he just shut up you gotta get us in trouble this is how I picture it going down in Elah. All the brothers trying to get hold of David's mouth. You gotta get us in trouble, David. David's, I'll fight, I'll fight him. You bunch of sissies, I'll fight him. And they're trying to hush him and cover his mouth. And some one of the soldiers hears what's going on. And they say, hey. Someone said, they'll fight Goliath. And someone behind him says, they'll fight Goliath. Hey, there's a big warrior up there. They'll fight Goliath. And the whisper by whisper, it goes all the way back to King Saul. There's a guy out there, and he's fearless. And he says he's going to kill that giant. Bravery pops up into the heart of the King Saul. He says, bring this mighty warrior to me. And he's sitting there and he's, he's standing and he's pacing back and forth in his tent waiting for this mighty warrior. He's expecting a Navy SEAL to walk in there. A guy that's just no, not an ounce of fat on his body, nothing but lines. He doesn't have a six-pack. He's got a 12-pack. He's got scars. His sword's got chunks missing out of it from the previous battles. And he turns around and he goes, Hi, King. He says, uh, 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 who are you? I, I, I'm, I'm David. <laughs> he said, wait a minute. I, I'm, are you the son? Are you like David Bar David? No, I'm David. What are you doing here? I, you, I said, I'm going to fight the giant. He said, boy, you can't fight that giant. He's been killing people since he was born. And look at you. You're just a boy. Red hair and freckles. You can't fight that giant. Do you realize that giant probably was born bigger than David? David was the run of the litter. And David had, and Goliath had four brothers that were all bigger and more muscular than he. And here he is, this little kid. And Saul's getting ready to kick him out the tent. When all of a sudden he said, you know what, king? One day I was sitting out in the field and all of a sudden I saw something to the side and it was a lion and I ran at that lion and I grabbed him by his beard and I killed him with my bare hands. And saw him, a lion? He said, and that's not all. Another day I was sitting out there and here comes a bear 
and that bear grabbed one of the lambs and I ran out of that bear and I grabbed it and I pried open his jaws and I took the lamb and I killed it with nothing but these two hands and the God that delivered me out of the paw of the bear and out of the paw of the lion is going to deliver me from the hand of that giant. You see, Saul didn't have the testimony, but David knew he wasn't going into another battle. He was going into another victory. Another victory. It wasn't another opportunity to get hurt. It wasn't another chance to die. It wasn't another time to be embarrassed. It was another victory waiting to happen. Victories gave him confidence. David walks out in that field. He's got nothing but a sling, a pouch, and a staff. <coughs> That's not much. He has to cross a creek in the valley. He reaches down, picks a handful of stones. You know why there's five? Some say, oh, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and the power of stone of Acts. Some think it was for one for each of Goliath's brothers and himself. You know what I think? I think he just reached down and grabbed a handful of rocks. It happened to be five. You know what? When I go hunting, I don't take one bullet. Brother Paul Graber, we were all the men were going deer hunting. And I remember Brother Graber telling the story. He said, you have ammo, Dad? He said, yeah, I got a bullet. He had one shotgun shell. He said, you got to take more than that. I think he convinced him three. Is that what he took? Just a hand. He convinced him to take one. He ended up only needing the one. <laughs> you know, he just reached down, grabbed a handful of stones, and he walks out there, and there's the roar of the giant. He's offended. How dare you come out here and fight me? I want to tell you something. Sometimes when the doctor tells you you're sick and say, no, my God's going to take care of me, the doctor gets offended. You say, oh, the doctor says there's no hope. And you say, but no, my God can do anything. And sometimes that doctor gets offended. Who are you to tell me what God can do? I'm a doctor. I got the degree. But I'm telling you something. When you know what Jesus healed you of before, it gives you faith to know he can heal you again. I've watched the lawyers get offended. I've seen politicians get offended. But I know what my Jesus can do. And that giant gets offended. How dare you send a boy out to fight me? Am I a dog? He said, boy, don't you understand you fight me? I'm going to feed your carcass to the buzzards tonight. David looks at him. <clears throat> no, sir. I see your spear. I see your sword. I see your shield. I see how tough you are and all the armor. But I came out to here with something better than that. I came out here in the name of the Lord. And tonight, giant, you are going to be the one that the coyotes eat. And without further ado, he reaches in his bag, loads up that sling, and he begins to let it begin to spin. And all of a sudden, with the snap of the leather and the stone goes whistling through the air, catches that giant between his eyes. And down Goliath goes. You've got to understand, David told him he was going to cut his head off. David didn't even have a knife. We're told what he had. He had a sling, he had a bag, and he had a stick. 
They said, I'm going to take your head off. You know what? Sometimes you don't have the weapons you need yet. But you know, he provided for me before. He's going to give me what I need to fight again. He did it before. He's going to do it for me again. And all of a sudden, David runs at that giant, jumps on his chest. And with the slice of that steel, you got to get yourself up on the other hill. And you're looking down and you see that giant fall. And all of a sudden there's the glimmer of a sword coming down. And you see something big and ugly start rolling down the side of that valley hill. There's silence. You could hear a pin drop. And all of a sudden someone in Israel begins to go, he's dead. <laughs> he won. We're when and a roar begins to build on the side of Israel, so intense, so full of fervor that everyone in the Philistine army just turns and starts running. Why did it happen? Because David knew he wasn't going into another battle, but I'm getting ready to walk into another victory. I'm getting a chance to win again. My God always causes me to triumph. Oh, there's power in a testimony. Some people only see battles. But when you have a testimony of what God's done before, you stop seeing battles and you start seeing opportunities for more winning. You stop seeing nothing but battles, but you start seeing the victories God is giving you. Thanks be to God, which always causes us to triumph. He didn't stop there when David was on a run from Saul. Everything in his life had fallen apart. He goes to the house of God and he talks to the preacher. So we need food, and they give him food to eat. And he said, by him and his guys are standing there. They didn't have any weapons to fight with. He said, do you got any weapons here in the church? The guy said, no, we don't have anything. There's nothing here in the tabernacle. We, we don't have anything. And they go, well, huh. there is one. Remember that sword you cut Goliath's head off? I've got it back here wrapped in an ephod. It's a priestly robe. All of a sudden, a smile breaks across David's face. The Lord had arranged it just so. Because David went from, how am I going to get through this battle? To saying, oh, the Lord is going to bring victory out of this. He said, give me that sword. There's nothing like it. you got to understand, that sword was way too big for David. There was no way he could swing it with efficiency. It was too heavy. It was too long. But there was something special about it. It wasn't the amount of metal that was in it. It wasn't its fit. It was the fact that that was a symbol of his past victory. And all of a sudden, David realized, wait a second, the God that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear and the hand of the Philistine, he's going to be with me again. And I'm coming out of it. It was a weapon of his testimony. He knew what God had done before, and it gave him faith for what God was going to do in the future. I don't want to be someone that's always seeing another battle I have to survive. Oh, more bad news. Oh, 
your family just really goes through it, don't they? I don't want to be someone that's always seeing battles that I got to make it through. But I want to be someone that's always looking for the next victory. My God knows how to show off. My God knows how to show off. He knows how to give me victories. And evidently, he's wanting to show off a little bit more in my life. Oh, I'm so sorry you're going there. Oh, that's all right. I'm about to get the victory. I'm a, it's another chance to have a testimony. I'm going to stand and tell how God delivered it. But you don't have anything to fight with. That's okay. He gave me weapons before. He'll give me weapons again. If you feel like you've been going from battle to battle, you need to get God to refresh your spirit today. Maybe you feel like David and you came to the house of God looking for something to give you an edge in the battle you're facing. I want to let you know there is no weapon like your testimony. If you feel like you're down and you don't know how to get back up, you're on the run and you don't know where to turn, you need to look back at the battles of the past and remember the victories that God has given you and then lift up your voice and begin to praise him for the things that he's done, knowing that the God that delivered me before is the same God that's going to deliver me again. The God that healed me before is the God that will heal me again. The God that made a way before will make a way again. The God that provided before is the same God that will provide again. It's not another battle. It's another chance of victory. It's not another opportunity for your demise. It's another opportunity for God to show off just how much he loves you. Our enemy is clever. Let's stand together. He's such a salesman. I, I met people before, and I'd been warned before I met them. I said, be careful. They could sell snow to a snowman. And I, and I literally said, no, you can't. You can't, you can't kid a kidder, man. You can't outfox a fox. I've seen them all. And then I watched that guy start talking across the table. I'm like, wow, really? And it was all another lie. He just sold it so well. I, I knew people my entire life, and I knew their skill at lying. And yet sometimes, every once in a while, I got to catch myself because Seth, I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm on your team now. And then I walk away and I'm like, wait a minute. I bet that's not true. <laughs> They've lied to me thousands of times before. And you do a little research and it wasn't true. <laughs> They're just so good at it. Satan invented the lie. He's the first one to ever lie. And he was so good at it, he convinced the angels that are standing there, Vasa, in heaven. And they see how powerful Jesus is. And he convinces those guys, hey, if you follow me, we'll be like him. We'll, throw, we'll overthrow him. They were there when he spoke the entire universe into being. And yet he lied and they believed it. And that same spirit will come to you. And when your finances are a mess and you don't know how you're going to survive it, 
he'll whisper, not going to make it out this time. This is the one. And you say, but but, uh, he took care of it before. Yeah, but this one's a little bigger. That was just a lion. This is a bear. That was just a bear. This is a giant. You're not going to make it. When the doctor says, I've got bad news. When the doctor uses the C word. Said there's probably cancer. 100% it's going to be all of a sudden instantly he starts whispering this is it better get your affairs in order when trouble hits your home he starts whispering you might as well get the lawyer now you're not going to make it out of this one there's no way we'll pull our family back together When the lawyer says there's no hope, when the doctor says no hope, the enemy comes in and says, he's not going to do it. Look, it's just another battle. If he really loved you, why would you have to have this battle? See, the apostles had the same attitude as they're walking down the road and There's a blind man. They said, who sinned? Was it his mama or his daddy that sinned that this man was born blind? She said, nobody sinned. I just wanted to show what I can do. I just wanted to give him this victory for the rest of his life. Everywhere he goes and every battle he fights and everything that he goes through, he'll say, I, oh, yeah, things are a little bad right now, but I was blind, but now I see. Oh, I, oh, I was a cripple, but look at my legs. I was deaf, but I can hear. He said, nobody sin. I just wanted to give him some victory. So when the enemy whispers, This time it's over. There's no way he can pick up the pieces again. You can't overcome him. And it's a very simple method. Jesus loved me so much he gave his blood for me. He died for me. And then you bring out the testimony. You just start listing all the things that God has done for you. Say, but I'm facing something I haven't faced before. Oh, that's all right. He faced a lion. He'd never faced a lion before. He faced a bear. He'd faced a lion, but he'd never faced a bear before. If I had to pick the two, I'd probably pick a lion. And he's facing a giant. I fought a bear before and I fought a lion, but they didn't have swords or shields. Yeah, but if he did it for this, why can't he do it for that? 
When, I, when I've been faced with problems that I hadn't faced before, I just started thinking back over things that I've seen him do for other people. And I, I literally said, you did this for them, now you do it for me. Do it for me. I did it when we were facing about losing that East building. I literally sat in a parking lot and I just got frustrated. I said, you know what? This is what you did for my grandfather. Do it for me. No sooner than the words left my mouth, my answer was there. I, they, they had just left my lips and my answer came. All the while, the enemy was whispering. You know, he's whispering. That church is never going to have faith in you again. We're about to lose $60,000 and a building. That's what he was whispering to me. But I knew the God that provided for me before is the same God that would provide for me again. The God that was there before is the same God that would heal again. The same God that healed before would heal again. The same God that delivered before would deliver again. The same God that made a way is the same God that will make a way again. I don't know what battle you think you're fighting today, but I come to remind someone you're getting ready to walk into victory. There's victory in the house. Lift your hands, lift your voices. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Come on. Has he healed you before? Has he provided?